0: Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Jan De Amore joins us today to talk about rock and roll, Italian wine, and the life of a small importer. Somebody I always enjoyed listening to. Let's hear what he had to say today. So I'm here today with Jan De Amore, who runs De Amore Selections, a Italian wine importer in uh, the New York area. Hi, Jan. Hi, Levine. Nice to see you. Likewise. So you moved to New York, uh, to work in a rock and roll band?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a long story. I'm a, full fledged immigrant i left italy maybe 23 20, 24 years ago and new york was my second port of arrival i first uh, arrived in los angeles okay yeah los angeles it was uh, all about rock and roll back then
0: sure was, uh, oh, what kind mind. of rock and roll are we talking about like uh, who was big at that time
1: the bands that i I mean, we went to LA, it was hair metal. Okay. And we were, uh. I remember that time well. Yeah, yeah. We had hair, but, uh, we didn't play that kind of metal. So we were kind of an extreme heavy metal speed, uh, demons from, uh, Rome. And, uh, we didn't have pop songs. We didn't have hooks. We didn't have, uh, oh, okay. uh makeup on. We just had long hair and, uh, a crazy look. And, uh, well, we,
0: what was the clothing apparel like at that time? <laughs>
1: Well, we were uh, spreading flyers on the Sunset Strip back in uh, 1987. Uh, wow. Sharing the, the the sidewalk with Warrant with Guns N' Roses. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. They were like, we we're all like struggling bands. I do, mean, do you have any good Axel stories?
1: Uh, Axel, no, no. They were already filling up, uh, um, clubs. Stadiums, and like stuff, clubs yeah. at least. We were uh, struggling to get 10 people to come to see our shows. Yeah. And so we, I mean, there was like, you know, the crazy hairs guys at air extensions, uh, they right. had uh, waves and uh,
0: I was thinking about doing
1: that look like today. Think? I, if I, if I had hair, I would probably still have long <laughs> hair now. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to say so. So was
0: it like lost in translation? Like warranted cherry pie and, and you guys tried to do like quinoa pie and it, and like no one understood what fruit you were talking about? No one understood.
1: We, we arrived into complete, uh, indifference mm-hmm. and, uh, not that we we're uh, anybody in Italy, but at least we had a following. We had, uh, people that listened to us, people that cared about us. We were, one of a million bands in Los Angeles, sure. and uh, it didn't really work, and it so that was a uh, lay. So I, I lasted uh, with the band, maybe no, they, they kicked me out six months after we arrived. Okay, yeah, for um, internal stra-, uh, stra struggles. So it's like the wine business, <laughs> pretty much. It's very volatile, and uh, yeah. And from then on, uh, my my trajectory in this country started. I mean, I. I didn't want to go back to Italy sure. as much as I, I'm, I'm from Rome. I'm from Rome. I left uh, in 87, so I just finished school.
0: What was the climate like that at that time, like socially?
1: Rome. Rome yeah. was, a, it was a mess. Rome was a city that, uh, in spite of its, uh, beauty and, uh, oh inspiring, uh, streets and churches. It was, uh, for me, very, was a downer of a city. It was a a city that stifled your energy, your willpower, your desire to do things. I was, uh, I went to art school, Academy of Fine Arts. Okay. uh, And I wanted to, to be a painter. I wanted to be a musician. And, uh, just, uh, you walk and you feel this, this weight on your shoulder that, uh, Stops you, drags you down. It kind of makes you halts you in your steps. So yeah. we feel like there's no chance, no hope, no, not even a glimpse of uh, of potential ahead. So let's, I was playing with this band and we decided. You now we tra- first tried Europe, we tried Germany, we we went Holland and blah blah blah. And then we said let's let's just leave Europe and go to. To, uh, to the States and we we're completely ignorant because we, we moved to LA. We didn't know that Hollywood was in LA. So we we're like in the dark. We just wanted to get the hell out of uh, Rome because we were so unhappy there. What do you
0: think the situation likes in Rome today? I, I was speaking to a young producer and her, her family is quite wealthy, mm-hmm. quite successful. They mm-hmm. sell wine globally. Mm-hmm. And she said that her grandfather had told her that he hadn't seen an Italy that made him so worried since the rise of fascism. Well, it doesn't,
1: uh, doesn't look too good. I mean, when I go back to Rome, I, I don't feel very, very happy. I mean, the, the same cloud that followed me 25 years ago now, it's, uh, heavier and darker and, uh, more pregnant with, uh, potential, uh, lightnings and thunder. So it's like, doesn't, doesn't feel good that people are nervous. People aren't happy. Rome is always on the, on edge. You know, there's like, I find New York to be surprisingly enough much more, well disposed, really. Because I mean, yeah, yeah.
0: you're the only person that would say that. Really? I mean, usually,
1: you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: Someone like myself from the West Coast is always looking at it a little differently than that.
1: Right. Right. But now Rome is. I mean, everybody always ready to pick up a fight, uh, mm-hmm. on, whether you're on the bus, whether you're uh, crossing so you, the street.
0: You lived the bicycle thief like story, except it was the guitar thief. Pretty
1: much. Yeah. So yeah, Rome now doesn't feel good. Very good. I go there for a few days and I'm very happy to leave. I mean, my mom is still there. My brother is there. So all my friends are still unhappy. Still, they still say, ah, oh, you you did the right thing to leave uh,
0: Really they this say place. That.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's beautiful to walk around to, to experience as a tourist, but to, to live as a denizen, to experience as a denizen, as a denizen is
0: uh, difficult. Very difficult. There does seem to often be uh, a certain amount of pessimism.
1: Pessimism is uh, rampant. Yeah. Yeah. A sense of uh, hopelessness. And also, Romans are famous for menifrigismo. I don't give a damn nismo. Oh, so, really? It's kind of like indifference towards oh. anything. Else. <laughs> it's great.
0: To, uh, <laughs> you got to teach me how to lay that one out. Frego, yeah. yeah, it's kind that, of. That should have been the name of the band. See? That's, <laughs> you know, that was the, the tipping point right there. It should have been, yeah. So you found yourself in LA. You, you weren't in the band anymore. Yeah. What happened next? <gasps>
1: decided to go to Alaska for a few months. Oh, okay. Six months. What the heck? Let's go. And, uh, were you
0: just like spinning a globe at this point? Was that like, (laughs) like you're just like, where does
1: the finger land? No, it was in a survival mode. It was like, I was uh, living uh, in a tool house in the backyard of somebody, some old Italian lady in uh, San Gabriel and San Fernando Valley and San Bernardino Valley. And, uh, so I was like, anything to survive, anything to not to go back. So I was like, this friend of mine, this acquaintance was going to Alaska for the salmon season. Oh, okay. And I went and, uh, it was actually, a an injection of, uh, positive, uh, energy. I met a lot of nice people. I, I worked very hard, but, uh, came back with some money because I had very little money left when I was kicked out of the band. And I, so I came back and I started playing music with other bands, American bands, for two two years, two three years, and then uh, the opportunity came and I moved to New York. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, back then playing music was um, a joy, but I also I also um, I was a painter. Okay, that's right. So painting was uh, those pieces. Yeah. painting was a uh, much more. Um, Intimate expression of your inner self, sure. uh, of your art. In the band, you are like part of a, of a combo, of a group. Sure. So yeah. your your input is limited to the economy of the band. No, when you are in front of a canvas, it's you and a blank canvas. So it's very much up to what your mind uh, decides and uh, what your inspiration, where does it take you. So I decided to pursue more of the, the arts and... Uh, Moved to New York because I thought mm, there's more galleries there. Sure, sure. But, no, well yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh that's what I did and um uh, So what year was that? Like maybe well, ninety one, ninety two, yeah. So it was three three years in California. That would be an interesting time for the art scene in New York. The uh, the city was different different city as we all know. It was like a, kind of a a fascinating place. And I was charmed at once and uh started showing group shows here and there, blah blah blah. And of course as a as a struggling artist, I had to make a living, so I started working as a waiter in uh, restaurants, as clueless as I was, as I was with uh, service and uh, food and...
0: It doesn't get better, by the way. <laughs> like, the cluelessness <laughs> never really goes away, I can tell you. So. After a long career.
1: Yeah, 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 so, and, and, uh, so I started doing both, you know. I kept playing music with uh, many bands in New York and I did some shows and sold some paintings, uh, and then, uh, the moment came in which somebody told me, "Why don't you try to to sell some wine?" And yeah, this, yeah. This, and I was working as a waiter. I don't remember where, somewhere downtown, maybe Arqua. So, my I, I thought, frankly, I my interest in wine was uh, developing because in restaurants I started opening nice bottles and started like exposing myself to different stuff.
0: So it was more like in New York that the wine side came yeah, through? Completely. It wasn't so much on the Rome side? No. Rome side, I grew up drinking uh,
1: Frascati No Vintage Uh uh-huh. Sure. from a jug that a farmer brought to our house. Uh, well, at least you know it's not a fake. It's you know, right? not a fake. <laughs> <It was>
0: like, <laughs> no, no chance it's a forgery, you know? No,
1: that wasn't, but I'm sure it was probably not quite uh, the drink of choice of today. But uh, we we bought these 10 liters, we left them on the balcony, exposed to the weather the really? sun. And every wow. day we filled up a carafe and we brought it to the table. So there was our cellar, the balcony in Rome in the summertime. Wow. So definitely no, I don't think I ever opened a bottle with a label or with the vintage on <laughs> it when I was in Italy. It was just not part of our daily culture. It was always white wine from the hills outside of Rome.
0: Really? And what, what were you eating with that? Just curious. Like, it didn't matter.
1: It was, uh, it didn't matter. matter. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Romy always drink white. 99% of people drink
0: white. Yeah. Yeah. It's a
1: white uh, wine. uh, Is that because of
0: the artichokes and stuff? It's because of the
1: heat, because of the, the lifestyle people kind of like lazy about and, uh, there's a pace of slowness and the, the wine is a refreshment most of the time, rather than a, a drink of intellectual pleasure. So the white wine is a very much part of
0: the culture. So it's almost like you had to move to, to New York to kind of get the glimpse of the high-end wine scene in Italy. Oh, in
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I learned more about Italy and the wines and the the regions after I came to America than when I was there. Because when I was in Italy, my vacations were like, let's go to England, let's go to Holland, uh, but I didn't think, right, let's right. go to Piemonte. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the Tuscan yeah, cruise yeah. didn't come
0: up. Because, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, you're from Italy, you must know so much about wine. You know, but you would seem to be indicating that that's not the normal. No, me and my friends, I mean, to this
1: day, I mean, I go to Italy and I sometimes I invite people over and I, yeah. And they bring a bottle, and it's like uh, discount uh, supermarkets, two, uh, two ninety nine, mm-hmm. and they're quite proud of it. Yeah, so instead yeah. of one ninety nine, it's actually two ninety nine. Must be good.
0: Well, so, I, yeah. I was amazed when I went over there recently, like just what you would see for thirteen euros on the oh, shelf yeah. 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 that here might sell for like eighty five dollars on a wine list. You know, it's just yeah. a little surprising it's sometimes. It's You're amazing. like, whoa, this is like. Like the equivalent of like a Rite Aid supermarket, like totally not a nice supermarket. And you would roll in and there would be, you know, Barolo, but then also things that were, you know, kind of expensive over here. And, you know, it'd be nothing. I mean, I, I know, I know
1: the, the costs of uh, importation and
0: this. I blame you, uh, I mean, you know, basically as I mean, a as a kingpin of of wine sales. I'm one yeah. of the culprits. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, what was your first job specifically with wine? With
1: wine was um, I, I I jumped into a sales uh, rep job with uh, Vinifera Imports.
0: Okay, and you know they've been importing a lot of. What are now really seen as classic. Yeah, back then. uh, Yeah,
1: strong portfolios, like 1996 or 7 when I started. How many Italian importers were there in New York at that time? Very different scene. Yeah. Just uh, him and uh, maybe three, four more. Wow. That's
0: amazing. In all of the New York area. It was a very. when do you think that really changed? When did we see the skyrocket in Italian think, yeah. wine consumption in yeah, New York? Early
1: 2000, I think. Yeah. 2003, 2004 and, and, and onwards, yeah. The, just that breadth and variety of uh, Italian wines that has come to this market in the last six, seven years has been uh, amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah, you're not somebody who just brings in Chianti and Perolo. You're bringing in, you know, Malvasia. You're bringing right, right. in Rucay. I mean, uh, you know, these things are not uh, the big auto of the wine world. No, and… To bring those things uh, back uh, in the 90s would have been kind
1: of unthinkable. Right. It would have been kind of. Like Why, what changed? I changed that. Uh, I mean, uh, the, I think the, the food was the same. In the mm-hmm. 90s, I mean, we went to an Italian restaurant. It was uh, with spaghetti with meatballs and uh, eggplant parmigiana, blah, blah, blah. The usual staples that people thought this is Italian and yeah. I'm going to stick to this. And then uh, a, a new generation of Italian uh, immigrants, I guess, came and uh, brought uh, the knowledge, their enthusiasm, their. Their desire to, to show that uh, Italy has more than uh, the very basics.
0: So it was kind of like by changing a playbook on the food side, people were more open to changing a playbook on the wine side, do you think? I think so,
1: yeah. I think it came, uh, went hand in hand. Mm -hmm. The developing the sophistication of Italian cuisine in restaurants with the sophistication of the wine lists within the city, yeah.
0: So you must have worked with a fair amount of the, you know, more known Italian restaurants at that time working for for one of the biggest, you yeah. know, they had some major players. I mean, what was your technique to find <laughs> restaurants?
1: Well, I was, uh, I mean, I went to the interview with uh, my boss, Dominic and, uh I told them I never sold anything in my life. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. I'm not a salesperson. That guy
0: always gets hired. I don't know. If I could give one piece of advice to sommeliers and the guy who says, like, I don't know anything, that guy always gets hired. Take it from a guy who doesn't say that.
1: Yeah, but somehow he he preferred to to hire people that were not old uh, foxes in the business because they're too jaded, uh, too cynical, too cold and distant. So You want somebody young and uh, enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. He, show, he saw that he I had some passion and uh, he, he told me, Jan, uh, when I start, start tomorrow. Here's the yellow pages of Brooklyn. Look at the rest he, of he, he, I'm sorry. He gave you the yellow pages? Yeah, that's uh, the training. That's an account <laughs> book that I got.
0: <laughs> that, was, <laughs> the that, was, that, that was the, the session, the that's, training session? Yeah. Training session. This is Open your page. Open to page base. 256. On yeah. yeah. this page, you'll find listings for restaurants. Yeah. And you just sort of cold-called.
1: Yeah, it, it gave me a list of, uh, accounts uh, that belonged to the previous Brooklyn guy and 90% were defunct. They were like, no, really? no longer existing. So I was like, I started like, you know, roaming around the streets, call calling.
0: Did it anyway. help that you, uh, were Italian? I mean, uh, did, I do You know. don't think so. I don't
1: think so. At the end, uh, no, because no, no, that I can't uh, tell whether it makes a difference or not to these days. And how long did you stay with that guy? Well, oh, it's a long time because I mean I was um, I started in '96, and at the same time I, I started to, to go to school because I wanted to um, still pursue the arts. You no, know, because I, I thought as a painter I never succeeded, so let's try uh, a career as a curator. Okay. So I went to um, to City College in Harlem, and uh, I did uh, I took a master's degree in uh, museum studies while yeah. I was working with Vinny. Sure. In the morning I used to take a train from uh, I used to live in Bed-Stuy back then to Harlem. Classes and then in the afternoon, uh, do my pilgrimage uh, to um, Italian restaurants or whatever restaurants that were willing to listen to my pledge.
0: So, yeah. I mean, what was the technique? I mean, what would you uh, tell to these people that need to like get in as a salesman to a account that doesn't want to see them? What do you do?
1: To this day, uh, I don't have a technique. I don't have a winning formula. No, it's just I don't know. I mean, frankly, I have no. No advice to to give to us sales guy. I mean, it's. I mean, it boils down is to it um, the wines, or is it showing no, up, I or I is think, it? Yeah, you know, I think the wines are uh, a minimal, minimal part, part, of, part of the ish. equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think somehow it's about uh, this uh, this uh, connection that either happens or doesn't happen. Got it. Within the first five minutes, usually, you know? like mm-hmm. an exchange of uh, handshakes or uh, eye contact, whatever it is, but sometimes it's um,
0: you know what's happening or not
1: yeah sometimes I mean it's very deceiving because sometimes you feel like a great
0: connection and then uh, (laughs) ends up being like a fluke well, I actually learned to do that after a while. I, yeah, the people you didn't want to talk to, you just kept telling a ton of jokes, you know? Because right. then they wouldn't ask you a real question, like, do you want to buy this? You know what I mean? If you were just like, yeah, and then she said, da-da-da, you know, it would never get around to serious business, like, how many cases do you want, you know? So uh-huh. that that became my technique, was to just kind of diverge, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah, turn on the lights, and here's the show, hey! <laughs> Cause you know, you just didn't want to, you didn't want to tell people, no, I don't want any of this at all ever. Cause they would get upset, you sure. know? So you would just tell them a bunch of jokes.
1: So now I understand why you were so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, still to this yeah, day, the way of dismissing me
0: was a good <laughs> joke. No, I I bought a fair amount of wine from you, sir. Uh, I, I take offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but okay. So no technique, no, no technique. manual
1: to, to follow. Just, uh, I guess show that, uh, you care about uh, the wines that you sell and, uh, you're uh, passionate about uh, the business and uh, not the salesmanship, but the wines. Mm-hmm. If the wines are good and you're not uh, a phony, a fake, or uh, a jerk, chances are that eventually you're going to get some sales. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: And do you feel like the relationships you build uh, tend to be fairly long term? Like, do people stick around in the buying gigs for a while or do they just sort of disappear one day and there's a new guy?
1: I mean, you know, it's a very volatile world, the, the wine world and the restaurant world. So it's an ever changing, ever revolving door. So, but in, in, uh, all in all, I must say that I, I worked for Vinifera for eight years now. And, uh, and then I started my own thing maybe five years ago. Yeah. And if I didn't have those eight years of, uh, Paying my dues, paving the streets, uh, building relationships. And I think I would have uh, struggled uh, much uh, longer, much harder with my own business five years ago. I, I still feel like uh, I do, of course. I mean, on uh, like months like summertime, like July and August, you feel like, man, nobody wants to see me. Nobody wants to make right. an appointment. So it's like, it's—it's a, a, it's, you start afresh and new every day. You never rest on your laurels. You, you have a few... F- friends' accounts that you can rely upon, but you know that this person can leave within uh, 24 hours and the account from top account becomes zero account. So Mm -hmm. you can't really...
0: So, I mean, really, the relationship is with the buyer. The buyer is not always the owner. And this guy can just, you know, get fired. He can quit. He can disappear. And then all of a sudden, you as the guy who was maybe holding 20 cases for that guy because he knew he really liked it. You're kind of left holding the bag.
1: Are you stuck? Because the next guy that uh, takes the position might be friends with other companies sure. and, uh, and he wants favorites. to like,
0: you know, show how he's different than the last exactly. guy, like make exactly. his own mark. So he's like shunning all the guys that he was close with in the past, medium. Yeah.
1: So there's uh if you think, if you think about it as a, as a, too much as a, you know, salary rent, I think it's anxiety ridden. Yeah. If you, do it with a, a flair of uh i don't know of uh not i don't want to say like flag flag phlegmatism no. mm-hmm. you have to be like phlegmatic about it yeah yeah Accept uh victories and defeats and they come usually within well, short uh yeah on the same day. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> with the same messenger exactly so you started your own business five years ago five years ago yeah. and mm-hmm. what was that like i mean how does that go about
1: it was um i mean uh, I quit Vinifera very amicably. Seems like it. Seems like you guys maintained. We maintained because, I mean, it it taught me a lot. I mean, I was exposed to great wines and it was like, for me, a perfect job. And people say eight years with Vinifera are 25 years with any other company because Mm -hmm. it, it takes...
0: A certain Don't, kind yeah. <laughs> stickering. but yeah. I mean, what I've noticed one thing that you didn't do was like take a bunch of things from the Bonifera portfolio and then like make them your own no, you know I mean, like you didn't own. you didn't cannibalize
1: I make a point of it. I mean there's too many wineries out there to to add to your portfolio, and uh, I like uh, discoveries I like uh, the fun of my job is to go to Italy and find something at. Wasn't heard of before or something. It wasn't, doesn't have a name. So how
0: does that go down? You arrive in the airport and then what happens? Well,
1: I, so six years ago, I mean, I I left Winifera, I took a sabbatical. I went to travel the world thinking I'm going to move somewhere else enough of New York.
0: Yeah, that's right. You were like in India for a while. Yeah,
1: I was in Asia, India for a few months, uh, and then the rest of Asia thinking maybe I'll uh, start a business in Bangkok, maybe I'll start a business in, New Delhi, and then, uh, obviously you always, uh, come back to New York with, uh, your tail in between your legs. And it's like, after all, it's, it's a good place to be, you know? So you're enthusiastic about Bangkok for two weeks. And then after three weeks, you say, but do I really want to come and live in Bangkok? Right. What am I going to do after that? two months? I mean, the excitement is always, uh, right. fun and, uh, and lively at first. But then you hit with the fact, that, like, is Bangkok really my new? <laughs> adoptive yeah. land not really so i came back to new york and uh, started interviewing with other companies at, Got uh, it. thinking i guess i'm gonna go back to the wine world and i and i thought let's do something that uh i know i won't quit uh, after two three years because eventually when you work with somebody else you're gonna end up being unhappy for one reason or the other sure with beneath it, i was unhappy because it became too routine mm-hmm the money was good. Well, I think that's a good
0: time. Good time to leave, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what
1: I thought it's like let's leave now. You've okay. got it figured out. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started uh, thinking, mm, let's do something. And uh, being the independent-minded person that I am, I, I didn't want to rely upon uh, any investors, uh, any loans, or anything. So I started really small. Really, I decided let's pick up a couple of producers and uh, try to bring them in. So I. June two thousand and six, I went to Italy for three months, two three months, and I traveled miles and miles, visited uh, hundreds of producers, and I think I came back with five producers. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of my business, and
0: uh, who 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 are those?
1: It was Flavio Rodolo, this mm-hmm. guy in Piemonte,
0: which I, I personally think is one of the real superstars in your portfolio. Yeah. Like, I mean, he would never want to be called a superstar himself, <laughs> right. but I, I think the quality level is so high. For yeah. those
1: ones. he's uh, he's my to enjoy my kind of daily inspiration because it's like wine as I see it in very genuine, very, uh, against the star system, against, uh, labels.
0: I mean, it's like, so, I, so it wasn't like you read about it in a magazine where it said like a thousand points no. and then you went to go meet him. It no, was more like, it was complete happenstance because I had an appointment with, um, a
1: Dolcetto producer from Dogliani. Got it. She came to pick me up at the hotel where I was staying in Barolo. And, uh, she told me, Jan, yeah, before we go to see my winery, I want you to meet this guy. Really? <laughs> so she's the one who brought me to him. I didn't even know his wow. existence. Yeah. So we went there because she told me he's my kind of my mentor, my inspiration in the wine mm-hmm. world. So we went there. We spent a couple of hours of silence, basically with really? uh, Mr. Rodolo. He was very not,
0: he's not exactly Johnny Carson, is he?
1: No, he's not entertaining. He's not, uh, he's not, uh, Talkative and unless he really knows you, so it it took a while. It it, it was a, a very a meeting of uh, like trying to learn from each other without uh, really talking. Kind of like let's look at each other, study each other without. So it was nice. Then we went to I went to 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 see this woman seller. Uh, and uh, ended up not picking her wines. And
0: boy, yeah. that, <laughs> that sounds kind of like your jerk. Actually, yeah, she, she a little was a, bit. She, she didn't talk to me for two three years. <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I don't know why, because she, yeah. uh, she's the one who was actually <laughs> told,
1: told me you to should meet this guy first.
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe her career as a broker is yet to come. You know? Yeah, yeah. But she's now in in New York, thankfully. Oh, okay. yeah. She's yeah. Uh, and so her wines are
1: excellent. And ends well. It ends well. It ends well. So. Yeah, so so a lot of the producers that I picked up were just by pure happenstance. I mean, I'm my Amarone producer. I spent uh, three days in the Valpolicella, being disgusted basically by what I saw, what I who I met. Uh, I met a lot of producers that told me, ah, "We already imported in New York, but if you want, we make uh, a special label for you. Oh, really? Would you like uh, the wine to be on the sweet side,
0: on the drier side? Oh, really? Darker, so was like... lighter, like?" <laughs> It was like some sort of order form at, as yeah. like a Chinese restaurant or something. Like just tick the boxes that you want. Very,
1: very off-putting. Yeah, yeah. wine world as a.
0: Sheer business, pure business, nothing else. So, did you get a chance to screw with them a little bit? Were you like, well, I want it super dry, but also really sweet. Can you make that happen for me? Or no, uh, you didn't? No, because back then I You I mean, just
1: I, got out of there. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I didn't even know what to expect I mean, from people, from producers. So it was like, it was a learning experience. I have never dealt, I never uh, negotiated prices or so But the fact that they actually told me, yeah, we'll make it as you want it. It was like
0: okay. I've, I've actually go. never heard of that no. outside of like supermarket buyers, <laughs> like people buying for like private labels for mm-hmm. a supermarket. No, those
1: were reputable producers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Imported well, the United states. Reputable to some.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, then uh, at the end of the day, one of the days we ended up uh, in this yeah. cellar recommended by another producer, and uh, actually it was a. A small epiphany. Thankfully, sometimes they happen. Yeah. Usually you end up uh, going to the, uh, back to your uh, pension, uh, kind of beat and defeated. Uh, sometimes you, uh, you end up uh, going to bed with a smile, thinking, mm, maybe I found something. And so, so, so basically uh, I, I did my research. I studied a bit. I read, uh, but it was traveling and asking. And being in the yeah, room. Yeah. Being in the room. Yeah. And, uh, and improvising. I asked, uh, I went to, I like, uh, the same. Uh, Game the long and ask w- who do you think is good and boom boom. I still do that. I mean, yeah. it's usually through recommendations, word of mouth that I find my newest um, additions to the portfolio.
0: I remember that's what exactly what Kermit Lynch said. That yeah. exact thing, like going to the cafe and being like, "What well, do you guys think is good around here?" And Like that. That was how I got started. Uh,
1: it continues this way, even more so now because I don't have uh, urgency to
0: build my portfolio. No? Really? No. I, you feel like you have enough wine for what the market can bear at this time and the size of your company? Basically, basically, it's more about the size that I am and
1: mm-hmm. uh, what the market can bear. I mean, like basically, I'm by myself in the streets, right. and, uh, so I can only fill up my bag with so many samples when I go out to see my appointments and. But you've I, had salesmen before. They came, they came and they went like, yeah. it's, it's classic. Now there's a, a new woman that started with me two months ago. My last salesperson opened a wine shop in the Gowanus. That's right. Yeah. He worked with me two years. He was very, very good. And so, but basically I can only rely upon uh, myself, mm-hmm. bottom line. So, and I know that if I grow too much, I'm, I'm going to, some of the wines that I import in a, in a back burner, like, right. you know, like you know, I like it, but today I'll bring this other one out, so sure, I don't want to have that happening too often. I want to be feeling like everyone that I have is my little child, a little mongrel child.
0: What have you been uh, excited about lately amongst your children?
1: Well, maybe this guy, another Piedmontese guy, yeah, another Piedmontese guy that uh, I found while I was with Drodolo in uh, April, yeah. April and um is in the mountains, bordering France. Okay. Uh, they call it heroic winemaking because it's so steep. Sure. They had to build some, one of those like machines that uh, carry the grape up and down, and they have one hectare and they make. Uh, it took me two months to memorize the, the the grapes because I never heard of them before. Really? Chatus, Bequet, Havana, Avarengo. It's all these things. i like, what the heck? And a nice stainless steel, it's a nice family, and we kind of was an immediate uh, kinship, an immediate uh, feeling of like, oh, this is nice. This can Let's hope that the wine is good because I, immediately, I feel like I want to work with these people.
0: Do you yeah. find that you're tending to gravitate towards wineries of a certain size in the same way that you're trying to keep your company about a certain size, or is yeah. it freeform?
1: I mean, I'm uh, trying to be realistic. No, I mean, yeah. I can't ever. Uh, generate the volume or of sales that would make a bigger winery happy. So instead of creating uh, grudges and uh, feeling of uh, neglect uh, in a year or two down the line, I'd rather not start at all with this kind of uh, wineries. And usually the wines that uh, I like, uh, as as far as taste goes, are... uh, mm, not necessarily, but oftentimes made by smaller guys. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a combination of things. I don't want to pick up a burden on my shoulders. I feel like, oh, my God, the pressure. I have to sell these wines. Otherwise, these guys are going to be unhappy. I don't want that. I mean, I started my own business to have no pressure of the sorts. Right. So I want to have people that if I buy whatever I buy, they're going to be satisfied enough not to tell me. So what about the next order? Is it coming? No. I don't want that. Thank you, but I can't handle it. <laughs> also, I mean, I'm not good because, I mean, if I, if I pressure, I'm, I'm not good. Since I'm not a salesperson, I, I, right. I can't go to, to you, to Levin, and say, Levin, you can you please? I, yeah.
0: Can't crank up the formula if there's no formula.
1: Right. Oh, uh, can you know. please deplete my inventory because, uh, right, right, uh, guys, yeah, my uh, whole thing's on
0: the line with yeah. the relationship and, uh, it's he's going to take away the, right. the thing and then I'm not going to have all the cases. It's
1: and, not how I sell wine. So wine I sell mean, wine. If people love them and they buy them, the transaction it's complete. There, I mean, like you know, you know, our buyers are sometimes. What are you gonna do for me if I buy the wine? What do you mean? It's like the transaction is complete. I sell the wine to you, I make a profit. You sell the wine to the customers, you make a profit.
0: Who who says that to you? Is that more of a retail question or is that a
1: restaurant question? Restaurant, especially old school. Really? Oh, it's cool. Guys, <laughs> what are you going
0: to do with me? Really? Yeah. <laughs> huh. I've never thought to ask that. I wonder if I've missed out even on a lot of things works. that could be done for me. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it would be on cruises and uh, on uh, bus seats
0: and uh, Yankees. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, See, um, I don't even like sports. And, uh, I get seasick. <laughs> hey, so you've stuck with Italy. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm ever gonna expand. Yeah. So, I mean, even with the sense that you know, there's a bit of pessimism in Italy. There's this euro crisis. I mean, how does that affect you? Like the crisis over the euro? Do you worry about currency fluctuation, getting stuck with a bunch of stock and um, at the wrong price? No, no. I'm, uh, actually,
1: now we're we're with the euro crisis, all us importers are actually rejoicing. You're like Vegas. doing great now. You're like yes. I mean, for for four years, we paid one sixty, one fifty for the euro to the dollars. Like man. Now, finally, we can breathe a little bit. And frankly, the wine world, somehow, it's um, um, safe from uh, this deep crisis to some extent, especially the small guys that I deal with. Really? You don't
0: hear that comment? No.
1: I mean, like, uh, the small guys, they have their own uh, clientele, they have their own circuits of of people that buy from them, mainly from the sellers directly. So they, they deplete their inventory. The biggest companies, I think they have the most uh, pressure, the most uh, worries because they have uh, millions of cases to get rid of. And uh, I'm sure they're uh, suffering they're it's like closing out, you know how it, sure. how it works. Yeah. So, I mean, the wine world somehow is the the one that I live. It's florid in as far as uh, where, as far as like people, there's, there's a, positive attitude because they make not much wine and the wine is good and it
0: gets sold. so i mean this may seem like a, a dumb question but what is a good wine i mean when you sit down with one wine versus a wine that you didn't pick what yeah. is it that you're looking for
1: my, my taste is very eclectic i would say I mean, i'm not i don't have any canon any parameters that i
0: so it could be anything and it be anything. and it seems like you have picked up some things that are You know, fairly obscure Great Friday, uh, like you spoke about.
1: Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not canonical. I'm not, um, in any sense dogmatic because uh, for me, growing up with drug wine in Rome, for me, wine is an an accompaniment to to daily life. It's not the center stage of your life. I want to open a bottle and not talk about the bottle of wine through the course of dinner. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So you're
0: not looking for, no. to take over. No, I don't know? want the
1: showstopper. I want something that goes with my food, goes with my dinner, that makes people happy around the table.
0: mean, it seems like some of the, well, most of the pricing for your wines is in line with that. Like you're not putting anyone out to, you right. know, for a second mortgage to get to some of the bottles that you bring in.
1: Right. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, even the expensive ones. I mean, uh, I I believe that sometimes it's good to open an expensive bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always the occasion. Indication. Yeah, but... Uh, on a daily basis, I believe in uh, wine to be a vernacular affair, a pedestrian affair, an improvement of your life, not uh, the vehicle of your life to be improved by a
0: bond. So, you know, a lot of times you hear different perspectives from importers. Sometimes people are like, you know, it's all about the grower and I'm just a conduit and you shouldn't even pay attention to me. Don't look at me. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. I'm just the importer. Right, right. And then other importers are like, hey, I'm here, right. big personality, and I'm I'm selling this stuff and you should mm-hmm. go along with me. This is me. Right, right. This is my show. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you think? I mean, where do you fall into that spectrum?
1: I, be, I believe, I mean, uh, that uh, the importer is a secondary figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But without the importer, the wine would never get here. So, the, right. the well, I'm not
0: drinking road law without your help. Right. Because so, not a lot of people are going to sit for two hours silently without talking to them to get the, com- the commission for the wine. <laughs> like, that takes a special kind of dude. Exactly.
1: So, the... The role of the importer is, uh, is a behind the scene kind of guy, but uh, with a, a presence on the market, which is uh, felt, but not overwhelming. That's mm-hmm. I, I see it. The importer as a vehicle, as a, as a man makes uh, a thing happen, but that's it. I don't want, uh, I don't want uh, the star importer. I don't want to hear about uh, trends and that. It's like that goes beyond what I see the wine world uh, to be,
0: you No. Know, so you're not looking for the to be on the next big superstar like trend, you know? Because I mean, they do come along. You know, yeah, all of a yeah, sudden everybody's yeah. pouring this by the glass, or true, everyone's yeah. doing that. You know, no, no, it's not a concern. You're not no. thinking at home like, "Hey, what's going to be the next thing? Maybe I should bring some more of that in." Oh, I mean, of course, success uh, is is always welcome. No, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you're you not wanna, turning it away. Yeah, you want to
1: sell the wines that you bring in. You want to make sure that people buy them and enjoy them and. Um, order them again. So it's, I'm not saying I want to like sit on my inventory because I'm so proud to have it. doesn't, I don't care if people drink it or not. No, I want uh, the wine to be a, a cycle to, to be brought here and drunk and enjoyed. And, uh, and I no, I don't look to, to, to become uh, the next star. No, obviously, no, I, I have very uh, little uh, desire for becoming huge. I don't know how would I would handle it I mean for now now it's I'm already overwhelmed sometimes by the the load of work that I have and I'm not very good at um, delegating so uh, more work more success more uh, sales would become
0: uh, taxing so here you've been at it for about five years. Is that long enough where you've started to see generational change? Have you seen mm. a son take over from a father? Have you encountered that yet at the winery side?
1: No, no, not yet. The only the only one worried about it is Rodolu who doesn't have uh, any family, any nephews, nieces, uh cousins or anything so it's like what
0: am i gonna do Yeah, what happens when that happens i mean if he were to pass what what then goes on that's the thing
1: these uh beautiful vineyards are gonna be um, fought by his uh whatever the remainders of his family they don't talk to each other because Piemonte is all about that you know then family feud left and right is that true Then on, most families don't talk to each other. Same last name, but, uh, they don't want to deal with each other on a daily basis. So yeah, Rodol will be the only case in which, like, what's going to happen? But yeah, the other is are pretty young guys, mainly young guys. I'd I, I like to, to work with uh, a young generation. Usually come from, they come from, you know, gr- grandparents uh, planting vines. And now there are the guys making changes in the regime of uh, the vineyards and the wine making techniques. So I, uh,
0: is it common for them to say, Hey, what's the feedback? Or is it common for them to say, this is what I'm doing and you can order it or not? Uh,
1: with some of them, there's a very close, uh, relationship. They're very eager to know what's going on, the reaction, especially the ones that are completely unknown. That they I just got a new wine from uh, Romagna. I mean, and, uh, it's okay. great. Yeah. Centisimino grape is a red, grape, great varietal grown by like seven people, maybe in the, hills of romagna so he's like uh, let's see what happens to the in new york what the mm-hmm. heck uh, what's the reaction is going to be so he's like very eager he was already here for a few days we we scoot around the city tasting wine so it was like it's kind of nice he kind of it's infectious uh, the enthusiasm of this guy kind of makes me want to continue in this path in finding unusual things finding uh Of the beaten path. I don't have a Brunello in my portfolio. I don't care to have a Brunello.
0: But you do have a Barolo, so I guess it's worth asking. I mean, are you finding that some buyers at the restaurant level are super drawn to the more obscure, um, like great varieties that have never been heard of? Mm -hmm. Or do they also buy the Barolo? Or are people who buy the Barolo not buying the ones that are obscure? Or is it a mix? What's happening at the restaurant level? It's a a mix. I would say that
1: uh, a lot of my customers say, Jan, when are you going to... Get a Brunello.
0: They do ask for yeah. that. Yeah. It's such a mainstay of yeah. Italian cuisine even today.
1: And I tell them um, when I find uh, one that I love, and they don't, they tell me, don't, don't worry about it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. If it sucks, we'll sell it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I remember a guy who was on the import side saying to me one time, "Look, you don't understand Brunello's a brand name. It's a brand name. It sells." So, but I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily my viewpoint, but that is what that gentleman told me at that time.
1: Right. And, uh, and Brunello, frankly, I went there, I don't know many times. I mean, kind of, if I set foot in Montalcino again, they're going to shoot me because, I mean, I go there, I visit 15 wineries and I left, I leave empty handed because yeah. somehow I don't really become fond of most of Brunellos that I taste. So yeah.
0: there's a market that's drinking a lot of this wine. When you go, you find that you're not so drawn to it. I mean, what do you think that, um, Maybe the people here don't know about Tuscany that might change their mind. I don't
1: know Tuscany. I'm I'm pretty disillusioned about it as a region as a whole. Yeah. So why would that be? Well, me as a as a wine drinker, as a wine lover, uh, Tuscany it's very business like, very business oriented. Uh, suffered uh, from a huge identity crisis as far as like style, as far as what to put in that bottle, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're still adjusting. Now they're all going back to like concrete and uh, San Jovese. They're all like uh, all of a sudden champions of San Jovese and its purity. And like, so it's kind of like phew, bandwagon once again, following mm-hmm. and jumping on it. And I'm not that excited. All these guys that I meet, uh, a lot of these wineries, the owners are not even there. They're mm-hmm. in Milan. They're in Rome. They're uh, lawyers or industrialists and. That's not really what I like to, to. Who I like to to do business with? Who I like to interact? I want to want somebody that has his hands uh, dirty with calluses and uh, dirt underneath his uh, nails.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are areas where you do find that?
1: Ah, Piemonte is much more. That's why I like, I have a Barolo, I don't have a Brunello. I I still to this day find Barolo's that I enjoy drinking. Brunello's, I have to make an effort to drink.
0: I find that people are familiar with the term Barolo, but don't know the landscape very well. Like (laughs) if you said, hey, what's the difference between, uh, You know, Lamora uh, mm, and Verduno. A lot of times people are like, I don't know even actually what you're saying, you know, in terms uh, of Americans. No, yeah. Do you think that's true? And are there things about Piemonte that we should know about as consumers who do drink a lot of burl?
1: Uh, Piemonte is a, is a dark charm. I mean, Tuscany is a solar beauty, idyllic, pastoral, picture perfect. Uh, There's a, on the other hand, there's a darkness, there's a, Mystica, about uh but all the region the Lange that uh it's worth exploring. It's worth uh delving into slowly and not just in two days uh visiting three wineries. It's nice to like get your own uh place for a week and just drive around and get lost and uh and go in those small town and set and roam around the streets after dinner and with nobody's in the streets. There's a there's a kind of a silent uh dark charm to this region that it's uh, absent in Tuscany. In Tuscany, Tuscany is completely different. It's much more jovial, much more uh, tourist-ready. In Piemonte, there's a there's a insularity, which is uh, fascinating.
0: Do you think that's why some of the great... When, when you think about traditional winemaking, some of the people who have stuck to it in Piemonte seem to be icons worldwide. Right. right. Like, when you think of Bardlow or Giuseppe Mascarello, Mm. you think of producers that like stuck to their guns and they're sort of like iconic for doing that. Whereas, you know, the wine world's pretty big, you know, there's not so many regions that seem to spawn so many of these, by any measure, stubborn people. Right. Why is that?
1: I don't know. Maybe the tradition of uh, farming that goes back to longer than the rest of Italy was a... being uh, maybe exposed to France, I think, uh, helped a lot in the trajectory of uh, Just in the terms quality of wine making.
0: Closing. closer. 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 So, so,
1: like, under the influence of, uh, you know, the Napoleonic invasions. So, oh, sure. You know, so, yeah. yeah. So, there was always an exchange. So the, the Savoy family ruled Piemonte for... I don't know how many decades things, So there's maybe there was an exposure to to wines, uh, not as uh, purely substance like um, the rest of uh, rural Italy, because wine was a, 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 you know, a source of uh, energy and uh, calories uh, for most uh, Italians in there.
0: So Piemonte is one of your go-to spots and Rodolo is one of your go-to guys. Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit more about him? He's a grocer. That's why I thought in Monforte I saw a store. That's his family. It's a, oh, okay. it's a large family. It's a large family.
1: And, uh, no, he's a, he's maybe 66, kind of a hermit type, mm-hmm. loner, lives by himself on this Bricquapiani hill, which is kind of a, Ideal, perfect, uh, hill in Lange, and you can see Doliani. you can see Monforte. So it's a perfect, uh, Hermitage, you know, like you, you go there and you kind of remove yourself from, uh, from the rest of, uh, the chaos. Sometimes when I feel a bit disgusted or embittered by the wine world, my daily grind, I, I say to myself, let's just go and, and decompress. And I spent a few days with him and it's like wine as I, as I really like wine uh, with, with a, a simple approach, wine with a low tech, but genuine, full of uh, traits of the person who makes them. The imprint of uh, the maker is clear, is, uh, is, is
0: palpable. Do you feel like that's something that's becoming more or less common in the bigger world of wine
1: I think the the new generation is is offers some promise i think then mm-hmm. there's a bunch of uh, young guys that uh their're hands are on they wanna intervene the least but they wanna work the hardest they want they like to work the vineyards they like to like use their tractors and use their hoe and so it's nice to see that uh there's a tendency to go the other way around, to let's, let's go back to being farmers because it, it's rewarding to some extent. You know, back in the, you know, in the 80s was everything was uh, mechanical, harvesting was mechanical, and now it's like a pride and joy of all these young way makers. We have everything by hand. We do everything by hand. We, we let uh, the grass grow and meet in between uh, the vines. We, let, we, we use, uh, you know, fava beans of or even to, to, to fortify the plants. So oh, there's a, a, a great new generation. There's hope in the wine world, I think, in the wine businesses. You know, there's obviously there's a dichotomy between the great growers and uh, the small growers, but that's the beauty of the wine, the beauty of the wine world. There's wines for everybody. There's no point in being uh, judgmental of either or.
0: So what are some of the things on the importer side that could bring uh, people closer to that? Sense, like, what are if? What well, I guess what I'm asking you is, what are things that could be different about the way the wine industry works on this coast that might help bring Americans drinking wine a little closer to those people? Is there things that stand in the way of that? Yeah, whether it be legislation or
1: legislation, I don't know. I mean, the
0: wine uh,
1: wine laws are so complicated. And when I first started applying for my license, my lawyer. Uh, Spent half an hour explaining how prohibitive the whole process is. Nuclear uh, material and wine and liquor have the same level of difficulty to import. Those two things, imagine to the states. Mm-hmm. Wine is still there's a there's an image of negativity that's still it's very much apparent in the legislature of today's wine world, which is kind of like. Obsolete it's kind of uh, absurd, preposterous, but it's still the way we we do business. So there's a lot of headaches, but you know you learn to to live with those. You learn to accept uh, the fact that certain things you can or cannot do. And uh, I think that mainly comes uh, the the changes will come from uh, the buyers. They're coming from the buyers. The, the the way some buyers are are more excited about. Uh, discovering
0: who yeah. are some of the people locally that you've been like hey that person seems to really have a head on their shoulders
1: <laughs> when it's there's a bunch a uh, bunch of uh, good uh, good customers yeah. but uh yeah i you mean know, on a daily basis you, you find people that are uh, excited when i uh, when i bring a know, and people that don't even want to hear about it
0: okay yeah so you do find a broad Difference between those two oh, kinds no. of people. Huge, huge, yeah.
1: And y- usually, the the person that buys uh, Brunello and Amarone, they don't even want to buy my Vespaio, or, or,
0: mm-hmm. or which
1: Mavis. isn't super rare, but it's rare. It's rare. I mean, it's like you know, five, six producers that make it. But so um, there's a the young generation of American um, wine buyers is exciting. I think there's mm-hmm. a curiosity, there's a desire to branch out, to, the, to discover, to, to dare. Italian wine buyers are amongst the most boring, amongst the most uh, traditional, conservative, uh, like, oh, no, we don't want that. We're never going to be able to sell that. They laugh when I bring uh, some samples. <laughs> They're like, what? We <laughs> can't really right. do anything. Yeah. Uh,
0: sometimes I found that the Italian buyers tend to be more concerned with packaging. Like in the like, even at the restaurant level, they'll be like, wow, it's got an old black label or something. Like I, I've seen this happen a oh, couple of yeah. times. Yeah, it's uh, sad but true. There's still a uh, the big
1: importance given to
0: packaging and to the packaging. I mean, I understand right. when I go to Milan looking around that, you know, these guys know something about packaging. Design. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it, Italian buyers on the whole, they're conservative. I mean, sometimes uh, you find... Uh, nice, uh, open mind. Like the guy is a very traditional list, like 10 Brunellos. And then each time I go there and say, you want to try an impossible wine? And he laughs. You want to try an unsellable wine? And he laughs. And then he say, yeah, why don't you make a page for me? I'll add it to the end of my, of my list. He call it unsellable wines. Yeah.
0: Really? (laughs) There's a place that has a page of Uh, unsellable wines. (laughs) Three,
1: three red, three red whites of my portfolio of grapes that he never heard of. He laughed at first and he put a page up unsellable wines. Are, are they selling? I'm just he said they're moving.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I, just put you up should a take a ago. picture
1: <laughs> of that. That should be well known. It's nice. It's fun because I mean, it's like an, a traditional guy, traditionalist, very upscale Italian restaurant and, uh, and, uh,
0: the list, uh, works. So if you could sum up what you're doing, I mean, in terms of just a few words, like what's, what's important and what's next. For mm-hmm. day more. <laughs> well, I,
1: I mean, I hope to be able to continue. I feel very lucky that I'm uh, I'm still uh, standing. I mean, I, it's a wine world which is uh, saturated to the point of uh, of uh, explosion. You know, there's more and more companies coming up. Uh, there's uh, new guys, new wines, and the competition is fierce. The competition is uh, brutal, and uh, so I feel. Fortunate that I can, uh, make a living with this and, uh, and I make a point of going against the mainstream. I'm not, uh, I don't wanna, unless I get, uh, a miraculous experience, I'm not gonna bring a Brunello. I'd rather look for uh, something that I go to a buyer and excites me in mm-hmm. showing it to him. Look mm-hmm. at this. And they say, what the heck is that? Instead am like, okay, what a nice Brunello with a nice label. Let's try it for me. So I'm, um, I look, in my direction is definitely go for the, continue in the esoteric vein without, uh, without being uh, canonical, without uh, having to be biodynamic, uh, certified this. I mean, there's a few producers that I work with and, and they're certified.
0: So it's not a producer that's all. Every producer is a natural producer. Not a producer where every producer is biodynamic. Because no. some companies no. are on the import side do raise that flag and say, this no. is us. This is what we do, these kind of producers. But you're, no. it's more about something else than that for you. It's not about process.
1: At, uh, at the end is uh, the, the wine that I taste. I mean, last time I went to look for the Centesimino, went there twice, uh, took long trips. I tasted every Centesimino produced in Romagna. And then I brought the last three. Into Rome with with my you, my, my you could moms. be the worldwide
0: expert. Oh, by now, oh, yeah. When I
1: when I talk to this producer now that I bring in, I tell him all the things that I know about C- 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 you know, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed. So I I brought those the three bottles that I favored the most during my visits. I brought them to Rome and I tasted them blind. I There was a one guy that I would have loved to bring in, biodynamic farmer. He took us uh, to his. um Sheeps. He showed us showed us uh, the prize that he won uh, as the prettiest sheep in Romania. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one well, of
0: one of his sheep was the prettiest. My sister uh, got that same award. <laughs> really? Yeah. Same one. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. For uh, the sheep for that her, she had. For her. Yeah. I totally can. I not even have a sister. Just <laughs> yeah. lucky for me, because she'd kick my ass if I did. <laughs>
1: so the, the the blind tasting went. I uh, I was hoping to like this wine this right. guy because I love the guy he was right. like this is perfect fit but then uh, what was a decisive factor was taste mm-hmm. so and I went for something that uh, is not biodynamic is not uh, certified but something that I feel uh, a strong kinship to so even the the biodynamic producers that I have I mean Prodol is proto biodynamic is it's never intervened in any ways in the vineyards, or but he doesn't even has it, have it on the bottle, or doesn't even advertise it. He's kind of shrugs and say, "That's the way I make wine. I mean, I I don't know of any other way. I don't, can't think of any other possibility of intervention." Sometimes I make fun and I say, "Rado, what's behind that door? Are you hiding the rotovarmentor back there?" Right, right, right. <laughs> and he say, "No, oh, no, they're hidden in better places. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, pretty funny. We're gonna find them." So, yeah, so I mean, the producers that I have are biodynamic, they ask me, should we like go through the process and uh, get uh, labels approved with the biodynamic stamp? And I say, no, don't bother. I don't care. I don't care to have it on the bottle. I don't care to have it on the bottle because it was, it's, it's a stamp that for me is 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 been, is uh, becoming abused. It's becoming, uh, kind of, it's becoming a marketing ploy to some extent. And I don't, I don't want to deal with any marketing, any Scores or any things that help me sell wine. I want to have a, a crusade for each and every wine that I sell that I bring in has to be a, a challenge, not uh, with any aids uh, by scores or a little stamps of uh, beyond.
0: So, Jan, I, I, one thing I happen to know about you because we've done it together before is that you're vegetarian. How does that interplay with the wine side and what you're doing?
1: Well, interplays in, uh, in as much as I drink white wines, ninety nine percent of my evenings, I, I enjoy them much more than reds. Red with the red wines, I have a more of a platonic relationship. I put them on a glass, I smell them, put them away, and then go back to them. And so there's a long foreplay that uh, usually ends up, uh, oftentimes in. uh, not uh, consummating. Not consumption.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, how does that affect uh, the portfolio and your, portfolio. your kind of approach to what you're bringing in? I mean, when people ask you, hey, what do you think about this red wine? Are you like, well, it smells good. Or, I mean, well, what, what happens in real well, life? Still, I'm just asking. I still have, the,
1: I hope, the, some capacity in assessing the quality of the wine. But uh, as far as uh, finishing a bottle of red… It's a struggle for me.
0: I do hear a lot of people as they spend more and more time with the wine often say, you know, I drink more and more white. You know? I say, yeah, no. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. Yeah.
1: Because if it was up to me my portfolio would be maybe hundred percent white wines.
0: Do you find more embrace of Italian white wines? I mean specifically with Italy and Also, to a large extent, with Spain, I feel like for a long time they weren't even considered wines. I know. To this day, to these days, I mean, people say I I still haven't
1: uh, tasted a good Italian white wine. Right? No, come on, it can be, can be true. You you
0: must have at some point. There's some good stuff in
1: Italy being made. You know, I mean, you you taste probably more than I do, (laughs) So you're exposed to a lot of.
0: uh, I certainly agree that there is a lot of great white wines. Uh, I think often they're in a flavor profile that's different from the normal kind of white burgundy spectrum. And so people aren't always evaluating them on their own terms.
1: Yeah. Well, it's such a breadth of styles and and variety of uh, Italian, of Italian grapes that uh, I think it's, which is the, the, you know, the greatness about Italy. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. The the dividing factor between Italy and the rest of the wine world.
0: do you yeah. find that those unique kind of flavor expressions can play really well with different vegetables? Are you experimenting in that way, or is it more just about you want that kind of acidic nature?
1: Acidic uh, uh, vegetables, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I, I kind of suck at pairing wine and food. I Oh, well, me too. It's, it's been my whole <laughs> life, so. Oh, you must be good, baby. I hope you're good, at least. <laughs> no, I kind of uh, improvise. I never I never dwell on what's going to be good with this food. Or but,
0: I, but I actually happen to know that you're a really good cook, so it's kind of funny that that you'd say that, because I've had pretty, pretty good food at, from your creative hands. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking, but uh, basic stuff. I mean, I cook
1: uh, pasta and uh, risotto.
0: But perhaps that's the food that those wines are
1: intended to go with. Possibly, yeah. So, I mean... Uh,
0: Yande Morris, someone who puts his name on his, his company and his heart and what he does. Thank you, sir. I uh, really appreciated speaking with you and uh, I've learned a lot. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Levi. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs,